let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Pinner Gas Club, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri, the J. Rieger Kansas City Distillery, oh so good. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. It's not getting in, getting in. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times with Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Please subscribe to the Law Party Podcast on YouTube, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Be sure to tell a friend, and you have received your invitation, and welcome to the party. Uh, I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let me introduce you to today's panel. So, we've got our returning champions. Of course, there is... Chris O'Connor. He is the co-owner of Liquid Nine Broadcast Media. Uh, we have got uh, our man of wealth and stature. Well, uh, wealth. Uh, Lane Bowling. <laughs> <laughs> Lane Bowling, our wealth manager on the panel today. Uh, he's uh, back from a little hiatus. Uh, we've got Big Dave Elliott. He is the owner of CNP Construction. Uh, we have got Brian Massey. He is a market analyst for True Media. He is our own brain personal mass. brain mass. <laughs> and of course, the anonymous female. Because she doesn't want you to know her name. And we have got a uh, show that is chock full of uh, every political nugget you can think of. And I like to call this episode, Respect the Machine. <laughs> so... Uh, before we get started uh, with respecting the machine, we do want to pay our respects uh, to uh, Janet Reno. She was the first female U.S. Attorney General, and she passed away at 78. So, do we have any uh, have any uh, comments or remembrances of some uh, some 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 great or maybe not so great things you think that Janet Reno did when she was served? It's hard to get attention as attorney general unless you really screw up. She did a, she did a pretty <laughs> good job. The thing I'll always remember most was the impression that Dina Carver always did on her own Saturday a little bit not the way you want to be remembered. But then she actually went on and had a nice career in Florida, I believe, in politics after she left office and did pretty well. So, well, they um, said, you know, her, her most notable, well, I don't know if it was her most notable, the one that probably sticks with people the most was the... Sending the kids back to. Well, I think as as we've seen recently, that everybody's going to try very hard to politicize the office of attorney general. Uh, We've certainly seen that a lot recently. But you know, so I kind of feel for her a little bit in that aspect. Is that I think Mm -hmm. they they get caught up in it sometimes, to where they have to try to please their peers that are. Put them there. Sure. I, I would like to see, like it is on the state level, I would like to see the attorney general be elected. It's interesting. I don't know. And again, I think people don't know enough about lawyers and what they well, do. I, and, it doesn't help you know. the voter, but the more intelligent voter would would uh, quite likely. You would hope they would counterbalance the vote and at least right. make it fair. There's Bingo. just so many straight party ticket voters, you get nervous. Yeah. Unless you just had to run as an independent, which would be interesting. You could not declare a party as attorney general. Well, you know what? I, I think that. I think that's what the judiciary should be. I think that sounds interesting. Anything to do with judiciary, to me, should you should all be uh, party neutral. You know, to me, because um, it just it doesn't. Of course, you have you know 
possibly liberal or conservative leanings. But uh, I think it's a conflict of interest, really, to me, to have actual party affiliation. I think it'd be interesting to hear, you know, Lane has a law degree. And, you know, for me, I'm looking at somebody like that. There's certainly term women that are way for attorney general because they rarely survive the next administration. But particularly with the Supreme Court justices in there for life anymore. Yeah. I, I think that's a time that needs to change. Mm-hmm. I don't that, think any, you know, any anybody should be appointed should for have, life. Correct. No. I completely I disagree. think that there should be term limits on everybody. Absolutely not. I think the machinations of government are so complex and so unruly that it is impossible for these newbie people who are all these idealists to know how it works, what the system is. It takes you three terms in office just to figure out how the how the, the rules work. I mean, then you get a crafty dude like a Bob Dole or a Tip O'Neill or you know, John Boehner's been there forever and they can I mean they can run just the rule circles around you forever because there's so many of them. You know, and so it's yeah. it's terminals listen. Well, nobody said it had to be one or two terms. But I think there should—I don't think you should be able to be in office in any office for more than fifty years. If your time is up, and just like right now, we have nobody good running for president, but we can't take the two people who may be decent for president and vote for them. That's horrible for this country. <clears throat> That's really bad for me. What about me? Well, I don't. I don't. And if America, it's like it's like bars that say no smoking. You know what all you had to do? You didn't need to pass a law. You could have put up a sign and said no smoking. That's really all you had to do. So if America doesn't want the guy to win again, don't vote for him again. You know, the only reason it was a two-term limit I don't think anyway, that's a good analogy. The only reason it's a great analogy, because literally you get to, by the power of your so. vote, by the power of your vote, you get to choose. If you really don't want somebody to run more than twice, don't vote for him. It's, that's great. But... This started as it's a fallacy how it started. It was a myth only because George Washington only ran twice. If he had ran three times, term limits would be three times as president. If he ran I, four times, I thought he times. did. I thought he, he had more than two term limits. Nope, only ran two times for president. There is no. There is somebody one, that has only been one president who served more than two terms. Yeah, that's absolutely FDR. sure. FDR. Yeah. That's why it was such a big deal. And. The other big thing was that Theodore Roosevelt tried to run for what was technically a third term, okay. although he came into office because McKinley was assassinated. assassinated. So that's why if you read the Constitution, the actual rule is not two terms, it's ten okay. years. Oh. Because you could be the vice president of a president who got assassinated and then run for two more full terms. Right. So ten years is your term limit as president. So you can only assassinate a president after two years? If you want the dude to run again. I don't think I, I'm not opposed to saying, you know, you can run again, but I think there should be, there should be some type of, of break. break, yeah, in what you're doing. I think the state of Kansas and Missouri would both have been absolutely <coughs> that in the case. I think we had exceptional. Congressmen and senators who served very long times were instrumental at steering money to two states in the Midwest who were overlooked almost all the time um, and did a lot of good things. Bob Dole and Kip Bob. Drive the Ike Skelton Bridge. Not so bad. You know, thank God we got some federal money for that and he knew how to get it. I had his wife as a teacher in high school. Who? Skelton. 
It's about a billion farmers on western Kansas that are pretty grateful about those <laughs> stuff around. I mean, you know. I'm sure they are. All right. All right so, uh, next on my list is uh, they shooting made you look. Uh, so, uh, I, I personally thought this was hilarious. Uh, somebody at, uh, at a Trump rally. In Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, in Vegas. Of course. Which sounds about <laughs> right. Uh, Lane, I'm going to need to see your travel from the last few days. Uh, <laughs> you weren't in Vegas, were you, Lane? No. Okay. Just check. Just check. Yeah. <laughs> Let's check. I mean, somebody I yelled out. Up, man. Somebody He's yelled out. Gun. Oh, that was not me. I was in St. Louis. Somebody yelled out. Really gun. wasn't. <laughs> 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 right. It may have been a gun. What is the over under on the election right now? Oh, Hillary. Uh, Hillary. Vegas. The line is uh, three to one. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's Hillary. For Hillary. Yeah. A lot lower than I thought. Good Morning America has been saying it was three. Yeah, three, three. Mm. Yeah. Not that that matters in Vegas, but I think they're the only one that has said that. Everybody else is like, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I would never bet against Vegas on the odds. They you know, make their living for a reason. Mm. Uh, yeah. Unless it's your last night there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like <laughs> What's that? He was... Director Comey didn't say anything. He might have been looking at his last night. Yeah. Heart attacks happened. That guy. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, can you imagine the rumors had, had, had a gun been fired? Oh yeah. Imagine the rumors of because there are like. Well, and, and the funny thing is, at the end of all this, they rush him off stage. They do the whole Smitty, and there is no gun. There's no gun to be found. Yeah, somebody hollered. Yeah, so yeah somebody. It was somebody, a plant. Yeah, somebody yelled gun, and you know, so they, you know, they secret service. Let's see how. Which is let's see how easy it would be. But that's a serious offense. No, it's a that's serious like yelling fire. You cannot go in a building and yell fire. Yeah, absolutely. You, absolutely. This dude's got some serious issues on his hands. Right. If they can prove that he didn't. Now really he probably think got there somebody paying for all of it. I mean, it's, it's not a joke. I mean, think of how many people actually presidents have been shot. Like, yeah. Or probably more presidents shot at than not. He could have started. Shot at? For sure. Yes. Well, not only that. Definitely. He, the worst thing that happens in that situation. There have been, there inside. have been yeah. several assassination attempts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's not the assassination attempt in that situation. It's the potential to stampede. That's true, too. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with that. Yeah, yeah which, which is, is why you can't get Where an older person or a younger person gets knocked down, mm-hmm. 20 people run over yeah, them and they end up dead. That's oh, a yeah. Walmart at Christmas. Oh, that, okay. That's the problem with that with that law and that rule there is that. That's why it's in place. Yeah, I mean, shoot, there was a... Uh, you could not do it in a crowded area. People, people panic anyway, though. Yes, you don't, panic. Don't, I mean, you, you don't have to yell fire or gun. They just... There was a nightclub in Chicago, and uh, and there was a. I actually think somebody did pull a gun, and so everybody tried to rush out, and they had one staircase up, up or out of the building, and then the doors opened in instead Ooh. of pushing out. Uh, and yeah, I think it was nineteen people got trampled to death. It was crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that they changed all types of rules after that. Yeah. What was the? I say changed rules nationwide. Yes, it did. It became a code. <laughs> That's a code now. You cannot ever ever have a public place of meeting without the door swinging in. It always has to be able to swing out. Well, you, 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 you have to, to have more. You have to have more than one exit. You need to tell. You can be grandfathered in, right? If you, I don't no, believe so. No. I don't believe so. Because DST, half of their doors, you have to pull in. And I'm like, every time I go through it, I'm like, this is fire hazard. This is a fire hazard. Because you can't push it out. Yeah. I thought it was a new building built after a certain date. At, uh, we would have had, because we remodeled all of our buildings within the last three years. So, you know, you walk in, yes, those doors swing out. Yeah. But internally, when you're going from area to area where there's doors, they all pull in. Hmm. Now, the interesting thing I did see the video of this, yeah. and the one interesting thing I saw is that, sure, there were some people turning around and heading the other way. Mm -hmm. There was a whole bunch of people went right at that guy. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the different society that we live in nowadays because we're so terrorist-sensitive mm -hmm. that people are learning not to have what happened in Orlando Attack them. Attack them. If you're going to get taken out, don't 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 stand there and shoot you. Take it. Take him out if you can. If he kills you in the way, he's going to kill you anyway. Yeah. I just thought that was a very. Now I know there was security there, but it was more than just security going to whoever yelled at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was a lot. And of I found that very a very interesting aspect. Yeah, you know, people changing their views. Yeah, it just makes me think of uh, what was that flight. Which flight was the one? Where they got up? Well, they yeah, took the Pennsylvania. Yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Let's roll. Yeah, United 93, yeah. Yeah, yeah let's took, roll. They took the terrorists down. And I, I thought, I always think of that every time there's a situation where the crowd goes after the person. Because, you know, it's, it, that, there's a lot that you have to process in that moment. And to be that kind of selfless, like, hey, if I'm going out, I'm going out. You know, and um, Wayne, if you think you're not you and I in that situation, what's going to happen? United 93 was a little no bit brainer, different, right? though. We're running at it. We're running they, away from it. Everyone they didn't dies. have a lot of time. Everyone dies. And I ain't going down. I ain't going to get shot in the back. I'm shot in the head. That's right. <laughs> I'll be I think when you're in a situation <laughs> right. where there's a gun. That's how I am. I will never change from that. <laughs> that's a little bit different. Like, it is truly in the moment. I don't know. I, I do. Good, it's probably good on what the soldier I'd be dead I'm not disagreeing either, but I do think that there's a certain amount of mentality that's changed about... Oh, I agree. If you're on a fucking plane, and then somebody turns to light their shoe on fire, I'm not <laughs> planning what's going on. You just got to fucking jump. Yeah. Them. I hope to God that it doesn't work. Because you're dead either way. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. I think that that is the ultimate <laughs> thing. Like you're dead either way. So hey, how, how do you want to go out? I think I told you this last time. I was on a plane that was going to crash land. They're like, okay, we we literally lost a shit ton of engines. We were crashing in that land. I ducked down and like, no, 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 no. But you know, I'm going to see it if I go. No, I'm going to watch it. Bending down is not going to save my life, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I just like this. It was just like the civil, civil defense drills when I was a kid and we were in the Cold War. And they'd tell us to go out in the hallway if we were having a nuclear attack and bend over and kiss our asses goodbye. Yeah. You know, we were, I want to watch the flash. I want to watch the flash. <laughs> we were um, somewhere over the weekend and one of the, oh, my hairstylist. I'm like, who would ask me that if, um, I, if I ever did bomb drills, like you do fire drills? We did bomb drills. Huh? Yes, we I did. I didn't. We did. But 
That was interesting to me. Yeah, we did for sure. We absolutely did. I remember him in grammar school. I don't remember him in I don't school. remember him. I don't remember. Maybe I just was, you know, thought it was a fire drill. I don't know. But I don't we, remember ever. We had civil defense shelters in Paola. And they had potable water in them. They had sustainable foods, dried foods. Oh, wow. That if you could get down there and wanted to feel like you wanted to survive a post-apocalyptic world, <laughs> not me, but that they literally had these things in place supposedly to make the public feel safe. That's all boiled down to. Yeah. Uh, interesting, out of Lake Lottawana, uh, individual you, you may know, <clears throat> he is one of the most wealthy individuals in town that nobody knows about. Okay? And employs thousands of people and does a lot of good. Owns a whole bunch of houses out there. And when he bought all these pots, there's a bomb shelter that has five rooms, completely concrete, completely underground. In fact, there's two of them on this piece of property right up there in Lake Lottawana, right along wow. the edge of Lake. Mm. And these things, it's, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> these are bomb shelters. And they were built a long time ago. Anyway, we got off topic. No, no, no. Interesting, though. <laughs> Uh, actually, we, you, you actually touched on it briefly. Our next, our next thing, uh, talking about, uh, talking about the, uh, talking about the FBI director in in a segment I want to call uh, the director that cried wolf. Uh, but did anybody hear him when he cried wolf? Um, because I know I didn't hear it until this well, morning. I think we were actually, at, oh. um, when that he. Uh, for those of you out there in podcast land, uh, FBI director um, said that they were going to reopen an investigation on Hillary because there was a massive amount of emails on uh, Anthony Weiner's computer. Hmm. And of course, uh, Anthony Weiner has the uh, dick that's going to destroy uh, democracy as we know it. And uh, <laughs> and he uh, was already under investigation for uh, for sen- for sending stuff to underagers, and uh, so his his uh, estranged wife works for Hillary, used his computer from time to time. I hope she pureled afterwards. Oh. Either way it goes, um, what they found was there was nothing to find. Yeah, lots of duplicates of stuff they already saw um, and uh, lots of just kind of unessential email traffic but I know there's more opinions at this table there's more opinions than that <laughs> as Big Dave is showing Hillary memes uh, I, have, I have a uh, a humor thing here where it's got a big face of Anthony Weiner and he says, Great news, Hillary, I kept your three thousand deleted emails safe. <laughs> <laughs> I could have helped a laugh. I, I would say this. Imagine, imagine the flip side. Mm-hmm. So you come across a laptop that has all kinds of references to correspondence between Anthony Weiner's wife, I forget her name, and Hillary Clinton, and she was very high up in the campaign, and all of a sudden you don't know. And he found out the day before he announced it. Yeah. And so, 
she had been admonished in probably the worst terms any Secretary of State had ever been admonished by the DOJ who said, you did everything criminal, but we probably can't figure out a way to prosecute you good enough. So, we, you know, you did everything freaking wrong. Right. But we just probably can't press the case. Imagine he knew that there were another, and I forget the exact number, 30,000, whatever it was, right. emails that were sitting out there uh, on his laptop, you know, oh, yeah. on his laptop, and he didn't make that public before the election. Can you imagine if it came out two weeks after the election and she had won on the landslide? Imagine how crucified he would have been then. Oh. That dude couldn't have won no matter what. Yeah, no, he, he was definitely... Furthermore, there's a huge fight still between the DOJ, the Attorney General's office, and the FBI about whether or not they actually had an ammunition to prosecute her. And a lot of people, most people in the FBI thought they could have nailed her to the wall. Uh, based on the information, and it turns out once again the two political parties, uh, the, you know, two political groups involved, yes. decided no, we don't have quite enough. Although the DOJ is supposed to be impartial, they're about as impartial as my <laughs> on Fox News at eight o'clock. Yeah, now so there's no way. There was a very legitimate reason to reopen that case, and you know, good for her for nothing being in there. But I sincerely doubt that that's accurate. And they couldn't have gone through the emails that quickly. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So. It's, I, I, I think the biggest problem that all this brings down to us is the fact that never before has the general public been drugged through so much shit, and I will say shit, and crap, and lying, and deceit. And get, Nixon versus McGovern. Yeah, it's it's just it's just insane. It's just insane. See, which is the reason, not to cut you off, <laughs> that I love Lane and Chris both sitting at the podcast table because historically, you guys remember shit on a level yeah. that none of the rest of us are going to remember. Right. <laughs> but no, uh, it, but that's amazing. But it's it is. If anything, this election should be a wake up call to all people and parties and political inclination that things have to change. This cannot continue on to where we end up with these two candidates that we have to vote for. I think it means that anyone really can be president. Well, in some ways, you're right. I don't want anybody. I know. I'm not saying that's right. But this is not right. I no, no, Well, now Lang Lang's is waiting his turn. Go ahead, Lang. Give me your opinion. No, no, no. There's there's two very significant historical events which have led to Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. The first being Lyndon Baines Johnson signing the Civil Rights Act and losing the Cracker South to you know. From the uh, Democrat Party, yeah, he claims for 80 years. We'll see. Uh, then, in in uh, 1980s, uh, an advisor to Reagan by the name of Karl Rove realized that the only way the Republican Party was ever going to compete with the Democratic machine that had subsequently picked up the minority vote was to change the discussion to pult or to guns, abortion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, social issues. Well, you know, love of Ralph Reagan. Right. To, yeah. to, to win, you know, the, I hate to use this word, the cracker vote, right? So, so now the problem is the Republicans have historically been the party of big money, right, and, and, and uh, 
big government, right? Well, that all changed when Lynn Baines Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act and the Republicans uh, lost the, the minority vote. So they, they were just the party of big money, got their asses handed them for, for the next 15 years, right? So, so, they had, so they had to change American political discourse from a discussion of economics, which it has always been, to one of social issues, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm talking in circles right now, but the point I'm trying to get at is is we have two parties that, where their historical roots betray their 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 their, their roots, their, their their current supporters, yep. right? And 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 so what, what there it's gonna be interesting to see. But Donald Trump, I'll tell you right now, if Donald Trump does not win this election, the Republican Party as we know it is destroyed. And the reason why is that same cracker vote, right? That's the vote that's backing Trump. They're gonna get so pissed off at the Republicans, like the establishment Republicans. Like Paul Ryan and Roy Blunt, blah blah blah, right? Just mark my words, they will go back to the Democratic Party over the next ten to fifteen years, which will cause, which will be a major injection of conservatism, fiscal conservatism, into, into the, the Democrat Party, which will make it very hard. It, what I'm getting at is, is a, a Clintonite will thrive in an environment like that because all they do is they sit in the center, wait to see which way the wind's blowing, and that's the way they're going. But what I'm trying to get at is, is <laughs> I think I think this is the, the the apex, the apogee, if you will, of uh, of of this nastiness and infighting. Because honestly, the best thing that could happen to the American public would be that cracker vote to go back to the Democrats to kind of uh, balance out the the crazy Bernies of the world. Anyhow, that's just I think we've seen both parties yeah. last year tremendously, <laughs> and I still think don't I would never underestimate the, the recession of the late seventies in terms right. of picking up the Republican vote again. Right. That was major. I mean, the thirty-minute gas line, right? And they rationed you on that even, right? Yeah, yeah. With hostages sitting there in Iran, My. and we fuck up on the rescue operation. Yeah. Democrats have that nobody had faith in the Democrats. No, no. It blows my mind that there are these so-called Republicans, right, uh, that, that don't even remember what the Republican Party was like before 1964. I have no idea. Right? So what I'm trying to say is, yeah, for example, my wife's family, there are all these rabid Republicans now. But if you go back two generations, they were rabid Democrats. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would make the same argument that... that the African Americans of yeah, yeah. that's the exact same right. thing. I mean, my absolutely. God, for forty years they were Republican no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. No matter what. Party of Lincoln. Yeah. Absolutely, that yeah. was the thing. Yeah. But the so, problem is, both parties are being held hostage by 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 soci social ideologues, which prevent us from having a meaningful, civil, rational, compromising discussion. On the issues that matter, and that's the issues of prosperity. I would agree, but I find it like stunning how little people know. For example, right. when Robert Byrd was the former leader of the KKK, KKK. KKK. oh my KKK. god, he was up like eighty percent of the black vote. Yeah, how uh, research just yeah, just, just research. research just <laughs> I'd like to take one more minute again to re-announce on the eve of the election my candidacy on the Jesus. Socialist Conservative Party here, you know. Don't forget, Big Dave needs your vote. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Believe Believe me. We, we may wind up changing the name of the Lock Party Podcast uh, 
to the uh, requiem for American idiocracy. <laughs> I'm like, it's it's every, every single week something happens, and it brings me back to that freaking movie. Right. Like I. I remember the first time I sat there and I watched it and I was thinking to myself, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> like, like this, this isn't even possible. Like, right. that, 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 that a, uh, that the public could get that kind of stupid. Yeah. Like, they were watering their grass with Gatorade and water was just what was in the toilet bowl and the... You know, president was like an ex wrestler or something. Oh, that's coming. Oh yeah, <laughs> 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 that's coming. Yes, Bernie. yes. That, my point exactly. Yeah. My point exactly. Mm-hmm. We had an actor. My point oh, exactly. We've already had an actor. You know, it'll be a, exactly. It won't be a wrestler. It'll be a porn star. Man. I guess the thing that's that that strikes me is. Or, or scares me really Good is Lord the better Lord. word is the Good Lord just the Lord. lack of any real knowledge in the electorate mm-hmm. like like you say you've got uh, you've got two at, at least two sets of facts um, and the truth is you know rarely glanced at you know, from either direction. Yeah, truth is irrelevant. I, I, I would say facts <laughs> is very difficult. You're, you're talking about uh, an ideology, and you don't know which way it's going to go. It's what is your best guess as to what's going to happen. And some people tend to believe socially leading it together. Some people believe that there's individual responsibility. That needs to be the thing. That's more of the thing. You're, and we're not arguing necessarily facts all the time. We're arguing what we guess is going to happen in the future. Who's the best person to handle? I'm coming at point. Well, you know what? Not even I, I. I hear what you're saying, but we are arguing facts, though. Like, like for example, um, and, and I know this is always a controversial one, That's but, us. but 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 climate change, right? So whether Holy you shit. whether you believe <laughs> that climate change is a real thing, or whether you believe, you know, it's some made up conspiracy to get have us talking about something other than. Whatever you think you should be talking about. There's a second side to that. that don't, don't phrase the argument like that because now you've made it completely a one-sided case. What I would say is some people believe there's climate change going on right now that is man-made. Other people believe that it's a cycle that the Earth has gone through for millions and millions and millions of years. When in fact in, ni- in the late 1960s when Silent Spring came out, the Rachel Carson book, they said we were getting ready to go into an ice age. You know, so there's there's different things. The world circles around. Meteorology and the history of meteorology is so young. And we have no data. We have best guesses from whatever happened before in very large swings. But we're looking at it on a month-to-month, day-to-day. I, I love it in January. People are like, oh my God, it hit 15. Global warming. <laughs> 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 here's, here's one thing I find really interesting. I've always been a fan of National Geographic. Uh-huh. And... and we had stacks and stacks of National Geographic in our ass. So it was just something we all read, the whole family read National Geographic. And they had articles about the coming ice age and I was going to get colder and all this. And now National Geographic's totally on the other end of the scale. Mm. You know, it's, it's, uh, to, it's, make it's your, to make your point. To make your point. Yeah, it's a, ba- it's a little baby science. We live there. 
Go ahead. Well, very little data. So what what was the point you were going to make? Sorry, well, I, mean, I, guess, I, I guess what I'm saying is, so, like, you're I'm right. Gonna, it's I'm a young going science. Going on that but, you know, I guess my, my thinking is, if you have 99% of the scientists in this field saying one thing, mm -hmm. is it not then a fact no. that, you know, maybe whether it's man-made or it's a natural cycle, is it not still happening? I would argue that 99% of the scientists in the mid-1500s that the uh, sun revolved around the Earth. Instead of the other <laughs> I mean, I can point out 99% of scientists being wrong all the time. The world evolves, we learn new things, it changes, that's what happens. They used to believe that, that leeches were the best way to oh cure blood diseases. Yes. This is true. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We only well, deal they believed that bleeding was the way to... Sure, you slice of <laughs> egg. That's how Washington is. You, but, but I'll tell you, talking to... There's a, a part of my family that is very, very religious. And you can't, everything is God's will and it's sure. in the Bible and you should read this and blah, 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 blah. So it's very hard to have real conversations with people because, I mean, for everything, they, they are so stuck in what they believe that it's their, their opinion or their belief is right that you can't, I mean, it's, that's idiotic and Amazon both sides. Yeah, it does. And I'm not I'm not saying they being people that don't believe what I believe, but it's very rare. I, I don't I can't have conversations with anybody. I mean, I was talking to somebody about the freaking World Series and <coughs> they were like, I hate the cut or I hate Chicago. And I was like, What did Chicago do to you? I mean, I don't hate them. <laughs> but I mean it was just so, I mean it really sounded like they had a real reason. Yeah, but it, but that's how it came out. And that's how every conversation I have anymore, at least right now, is is that's how it's been. Like you really can't just say, I prefer, I want I'm I'm rooting for the Indians. I hate Chicago. And it was just like, dang. I'm not wait, 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 I have something here. There is only one true hate in sports. One true. Okay. Yankees. Palestine versus Israel in the world. Boston. No, Red Sox and oh. Yankees. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't I, hate I, anything. England, Ireland, rugby. People <laughs> 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 talking about American American sports here. You know, Red Sox and Yankees. That's yeah. what you do. You you go to extremes to make your point. I don't think anybody's actually sitting there saying I hate this in real life and it consumes me. I think they think, listen, I'm going to make the strongest point I can and use the strongest language I can and blah, blah, blah. That's what happens all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, but I do believe... And, and yeah, I will, but... I'm not okay, reading this, okay. But <laughs> the same argument falls back... I strongly you. prefer the Indians over those Chicago cuts. You're strongly <laughs> by Selena. Did you say what I think you said? <laughs> I, I, do, I do have a question. For, for the, for the mass brain over You Coach, um, did you? Very nice question for you. How, how much, we, we got to kind of go off track a little bit about what we were talking about history. Oh, you're so funny. And what you were taught in school about history compared to what Lane was taught, or what you and I were taught, or Mario and, and the anonymous female were taught. I mean, we were taught, we went, especially in the short period of time I was in college, 
we were talking about the railroads and went through all that history and all the different acts that came on and brought the railroads and then we went right on through to World War II and we went through the Jim Crow years, we went through the Civil Rights, we went through all kinds of history. All right, and this is the way history was taught, I mean, even from revolutionary, of course, we were taught that in, in junior high. Mm-hmm. Were you taught any of that? Uh, on, a ma- on, a, on an in- intense basis. Uh, I'll say that in the school system, first of all, I'll tell you that I, the last time I had a history course, I was 13. 13? Yeah. Really? You see that? I find, and, and how many, how many years, did you go four years of college or did you go more? Four. So you went four years of college, and you went to where? KU. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> I, I would ask, but, out of what you were taught, what did you believe? It so that's what I but, but it's scary to me that he stopped having any history at 13 years of age. Right. I think the history they taught was crap. Well, I, well I they don't teach. They thought was wrong. By the time we were in, in school, they quit teaching civil rights on a large scale. You had, like, what, maybe a week of it, or maybe a couple days of it, right around Martin Luther King Day. And Rihanna, my daughter, they don't teach it almost nothing. I you have to look class. it up yourself. My sophomore, junior, and senior <clears throat> in high school, we were taught different history classes. Mm-hmm. History was a big deal to, to our education. Well, we had American history one year. We had... World history another year. American history. Yeah, we. So if I remember back, I, freshman year of high school, there was world history. Mm-hmm. And no American history. Well, that came in I sophomore think, junior year. That may have happened, but so I, I had. The reason why I would say about half my class actually had tested out of all those right before we went into to high school, which is why for a lot of us that was the last time we'd huh. uh, we'd had it. It was the same summer I had driver's ed. Actually, history in, in college... Uh, At 13? Oh, you were in Canada. We had a very good professor, Dr. Ruth Townsend. And it was one, even though she was, it was a really hard class, one of the few classes I actually got a B in. Most everything else I got an F in. But it was, she was, it was so fascinating in the way it was sculpted and the things we had to study and things to do. It was... It was extremely interesting to me, and I was ADD, so anything was interesting to me, I excelled at. Anything was boring to me, or I just couldn't comprehend, screw it, you know, I was done. That's why I flunked. I, I can but, tell you that there is some problems around it. Uh, yeah, because my family now teaches in that same high school, and I think ever since I've been there, already. not that this is to say anything negative against uh, high school football coaches, but it's they, they always seem to have coaches that are teaching these class, teaching the history classes and maybe don't always, really know a lot about it. Always the football And they aren't really that passionate about it. I didn't have I didn't have any coaches. My the coaches on ours were freaking math. Really? Yeah, we had a coach who yeah. taught math and we also had our other coaches taught PE. Because we all had PE back in those days too. Um, yeah. We were actually a winning team. Against And there's added issues to that, which is that, I mean, coaches are out of class a lot of times because they're out, like, they have a game out of town, at least in rural Kansas. I mean, yeah. whenever we had an out of town game, we're traveling two and a half hours somewhere. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, so they're gone for half the day, so they get a substitute. There's no, there's no real solid cadence of having the same teacher there, and they're not, I mean, 
Yeah. It's just a bad situation. And, and I, I would love to get off this subject and get back to where we got off. And I, the point of the climate change conversation yeah. was not to actually discuss climate change in any way. It was actually to talk about the way people phrase arguments. Yeah, no, and absolutely. That is, that's a far more interesting thing, and I think a larger problem on why it's harder to agree. Yeah, and uh, the way you've, and we talked about this last time, we can both be right, you, you know, yeah, and saying it in the way that it makes yeah. it the best case it for us. Yes, well, yeah. lawyers do. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing when we do talk about it. Well, which is what, you know, and I've said it before. Which is the bottom line. That's, yeah, that's love, what's cool about this panel. Yeah, I love this forum because we actually talk about things. We mm-hmm. don't always agree, bro. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't always agree, but we but we actually talk about mm-hmm. it and not... I've, I've uh, always... Nobody, you know, throws a chair and curses a right, Yeah, Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> we're, we're saving that for an upcoming episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Oh, we'll see how everybody feels next over. Monday. Yeah. So, um, now that I've got uh, uh, both of uh, my history heads in the room, uh, I want to move to the next two segments because uh, we're going to blow through one. You better hurry. We're going to blow through one because I think all we really need is just an explanation. The other, uh, we can dive, dive in a little deeper. Uh, and the first is, uh, hey, mom. Can I go to electoral college? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, whichever one of you wants to jump in, uh, Lane or Chris, uh, the electoral college, in brief, you don't have to go state by state, but kind of how does it work and why do we still use it? It actually is still state by state, too, in the degree that it's applied to some degree. But uh, it is there to protect smaller states from being underrepresented. Um, and it is there for specific states at different times to have a larger influence. Uh, so if you think about the time um, that America has been doing these elections, yes. there have been many different years and many different states are important. Missouri used to be critically important. And now our economy has shifted, and now it's, it's a different representation. So typically when we have a like, fence back there, we kind of shut that bathroom off. Uh-huh. You guys mind if they... No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, as long as they know we're recording. Exactly. There you go. Thank you. So that's it. I mean, it's just it's just to literally just represent the, you know, again, that's why it's winner take all. That's why it's not just popular voting, you split it out and those kinds of things. But it is literally to just make sure that smaller states get a representation and it can be important in an election. Mm-hmm. When did the history of when, when did the electoral college start? Seven. When did it start? Seven. Yeah, seven the, so it was from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the big compromises. Now it was even more important prior to I forget which moment it was, but it was before eighteen twenty. But uh, the electoral college was actually the Senate. The yeah, president was elected by the Senate. Yeah. So and the reason why was the. I thought the, it was still the Senate. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, the uh, it, the fa- the founding fathers get back to it. Uh, they they wanted to give the people a voice, but they wanted to limit it, limit the the irrationality of the mob. By mob, I don't mean organized crime. I mean the people. Right. We so, get a collective mind. Right. Well, but it can be influenced by others who speak. 
Right. True, but you also had unrepresented states which were lower and would have been disproportionately excluded. Exactly. <laughs> and then the other big thing was in, in several of the first elections, you actually voted separately for president, vice president, and run out yep. a ticket. And so that was another big Yeah, part number one got president, number two got vice. So yeah. Was, yeah. was, was there only 13 states in 1787 still? Yeah. There had not been another state no, until not, 1789. 1789, right. and it wasn't until we took over uh, yeah. the Spanish territories in Florida. Right, and then Louisiana yeah. territory in 1804. Yeah. Kentucky, 1792. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I like my history guy. <laughs> <laughs> Constitutionalist presidents ever. <laughs> Jefferson to go up on his own and buy the Louisiana Purchase was completely illegal. And we impeached Bill for getting a little something on the side. <laughs> Priorities. 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 It's that culture war for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but they make cool asses. <sighs> I like cool So, what's the other topic? Well, well, the other topic? Oh, are we then? I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Dave distracted me. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other topic is respecting the machine. Mm. And uh, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. sure. I just realized. I'm sorry. No, no don't no, tell no, me. No, okay, so electoral college existed back when there were some serious voter qualifications, i.e. you had to be a white landowning male age 21. Yes. And the reason why is because taxation was based off of property ownership. Right. And so yes. the founding fathers intended that the only way that you were going to be allowed to have a say in the government is if you had a stake in the country, right? Well, see, the thing is, we all freaking pay taxes now, so there's no reason to have an electoral college. Uh, with, with, with media and the hyper-connectedness, there really, uh, there really isn't that much difference between Delaware and Nebraska in terms of access to information. So uh, I'm going to get skewered for this by Chris, but I say we do away with those assholes and go straight to a, a po- national popular vote. I do not like a popular vote, but what I would... You do not like? What I would also say is the flip side to it, too, yeah. which is the exact same <laughs> argument they had when they were forming the Constitution, which is, how is your representation in the government based? Right. And so you had the South saying... No, 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 it's based on, you know, right. white landowners and these kinds of things. But then there were so many more people in the North that said, well, we also want to count all the African Americans that live in the South disproportionately as people in the North. It's like, what the hell? They don't own land and they know nothing. So we'll come, they came up with the very famous Three-Fifths Compromise. And so that's how it, like a portion of it came about too. Is right. Like, okay, we'll have to strike a balance of what counts and what doesn't count. Right. Complete freaking nonsense. I mean, it's just a scam. We just, yeah. probably should just rewrote the Constitution with the Civil Rights Act. They were so wrong. Like, just saying. Probably should have actually. They were wrong on so many things. <laughs> yeah, they, it was, it, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it's interesting to me is uh, when you go back and you look at some of the amendments that we've had to yeah. do to the, to the Constitution. Some of the amendments were so fundamental, so fundamentally against the original document that I'm like, at a certain point, the income tax amendment, and and, 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 and you know what, the Sixteenth Amendment, and you know what, 
We'll actually talk about this on a later podcast. All right. All right. At a certain point. Let's talk about the machine now. Let me get this thought out there just so, just so, yeah. I, just so our, our, our listeners out there uh, can chew on this uh, idea. Uh, at a certain point, with the amount of amendments that we've had uh, to the Constitution, is it time for a page one rewrite? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. we won't get into it today. But... But Chris has already said no. Burn them. <laughs> so now... That would be a heavy subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that would be a very heavy subject. So now, the machine. Oh, yeah. Welcome Ooh. to the machine. <laughs> so, where I am from originally, Chicago. Uh, Chicago, oh. Cook County in particular. Uh, um, well known as the machine. The, the machine. Uh, yes. Uh, and that machine, um, as long as I have been alive and, and, and well into the 50s that I'm pretty sure of, there has been um, a political machine in Illinois, and in particularly Chicago, that uh, is uh, overwhelming to say the least. Um, uh, I was actually really surprised when Chicago's current mayor uh, even had the opportunity to run for mayor. Wow. Because... Rahm Emanuel. Yeah, because uh, Rahm Emanuel... Okay. Think about it like this out there in podcast life. You work in the White House. Chief of Staff to the President. And it was a better idea to resign from the White House to go run a city. Yeah. That's how good it is to run the machine in Chicago. Well, well, <laughs> like, or, or, we're going to leave the whole country, or we're just going to go right here because it's better for me. The, the, it's the, crazy. The, the machine Rahm Emanuel took over. Right? The Daily Machine. Yeah, the Daily Machine. Well, they, they put Obama in the White House, and this could simply be Obama... Covering his flank as the big man Very saying, possible. you're going to go take that seat, watch my six. Very possible. I have something that you chunk with that says, now you're set up to run for a much larger office. Yep. Again. As Again. As before. Yes. Uh, and I think he's done, as far as, about as you get to do in Chicago, given <laughs> the, the nature of Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, he's been in a tough spot a couple of times. A couple of times. I thought he actually went against his constituency a couple of times. Yeah. For example, the teachers' union strike that they were just about to have, and they got that solved pretty damn fast. Yeah, which is funny because growing up, um, the teachers' union strike would strike every other year. That I could, and and it would delay the start of school uh, often. God bless them. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> we had an officer for six years and they struck three times. Yeah, yeah. And shut down the schools where your kids go oh, to yeah. school. <laughs> well, how did you just real quick, just a quick reference. How did you feel about what you got for an education from those teachers? Um, most of, okay, so uh, my mom, in her infinite wisdom, uh, in grammar school, she made sure that I was in private school the entire time. So I didn't get into uh, Chicago public school system until high school. Um, and uh, so I went to uh, uh, Limbo Tech College Prep um, for 
freshman year and about half of sophomore year. And uh, uh, it, it was fine. Uh, but uh, my mom saw a couple of things in me that were bubbling up that she didn't like. And she moved, moved physically out of the city into the suburbs. And I wound up going to school in the south suburbs of the city. So I didn't spend as much time in the Chicago public school system as a lot of my friends did. But um, I never, I personally never had any real issues. But in, like I say, for all disclosure, I was only in the public school system for about two years, honestly. Because I was in private school most of the time. Because because they always, the public school system always struck. No, no different than Kansas City. Yeah, it was like, the public school system always struck. It, you know, it was, and I was always amazed that they would allow it to get to that point every year. Yeah. That, uh, that they hadn't settled contracts with teachers. And, and uh, but, you know, as Chris knows, uh, you know, you know, Chicago is definitely a a uh, handshake with one hand handing the envelope with the other hand city, um, and that's just kind of what it is. And and I have said I have said on this program several times, um, you know, I have fundamental issues with both candidates for different reasons. But I can only, out of the two candidates that are actually viable for the office, there's only one of them I can vote for. And, and, and the simple reason is I understand her politics. Because they are the machine. The yeah, question, I understand the, the, machine. the machine. Like, I fully respect the machine. I grew up in the machine. I know how the machine works. They are the machine. So the machine doesn't scare me. I'm, I'm going to... Dovetail off that, flip this on its head. Uh, I think with the demise of Donald Trump, we're going to see the Republican Party revisit the whole concept of a machine. Yeah. And this is teaching them a lesson that you can't run a machine based on ideology, right? It's run based on money. Yeah. Right. So, so money greases the wheels. Right. So so just just watch the the this this vitriolic. Uh, us versus them debate is going to morph from abortion and women's rights to just a discussion of money, which is politics as usual for the United States pre Ronald Reagan. That's a joke. Yeah, that's okay. a joke. Good observation. So, does anybody else uh, remember any other uh, any other in particular cities? Uh, Kansas City, uh, we're well, sitting I, in his yeah, room. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> which is the reason why I said uh, cities in particular. Well, I, can, I, I can give you a unique example because I've done work in the inner city here in Kansas City. All right, and, and, and we are unique in this city because we have one area. Yeah. We really truly have one area. And there's a boundary, everybody knows in this town what the boundary is. Yeah. And every time that we've done business down there, it's, I got the hand here and the hand here. Every single time. Okay. They're, they're all on the take. Yeah. And you know, the Tracy Avenue, I work for Citizens Housing Information Council. There, there's a fellow named Mr. Yeah. Brim down there that 
that the first time I did a house down there off, off, off of Benton, I noticed that our, first thing I noticed our materials coming out of Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a handout. You know, yeah, they, absolutely. They got, they got, they got, the, they got the kickback going on. And on all this thing, Mr. Brim showed up in a brand new Suburban, they showed up in a vet, same color scheme. Yeah. He's in and out of the houses, he got all his ladies going on down there. Yeah. And he had a superintendent that was really trying to do right, but he just knew what was going on. He just knew what was going on. And I've seen this time and time again, where I've gotten to the point where I don't really want to do a lot of work in that area, because... We have problems. I had some friends that owned a restaurant down at 18th and Vine, who unfortunately were busted for selling cocaine out of it. But they have railed against down there. And the problem with 18th and Vine in particular is that most of the business owners down there state, we have to have multicultural investment down there. We need to have multicultural investment because Right now, it's just the African-American community wants to totally own it. But they need injection of other money and other ideas because we all know, anybody who lives in Kansas City has spent any time at 18th and Vine understands that that place would be special. Yeah. That we could have the bars and the music and, and, and the restaurants and everything else. We already have the Blue Room and Danny's and then the different places in the gym and the Jazz Museum and the, and the African and the Negro Museum and all this stuff, the Negro Baseball Player Museum, that place could be phenomenal. And we've always seen, my, my wife and I have always seen that potential and it frustrates us greatly that they can't seem to get the next step up. Right. But it's going to take outside investment to get it done and they don't want that outside investment. So we have uh, Chicago Machine and Kansas City yeah. had a machine and yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's still here. The machine is still the here. Machine, uh, yeah, it's just I don't. Not know. like Chicago, but it's, it's still. Not, here. Yeah, it's it's it, not everybody's not everybody's buying into the machine. Well, the uh, American Royal moving out the wine dock. There's a perfect example of the machine failed. They they. No, it just moved to Wine Dock County. <laughs> That's what I'm noticing. Like, exactly but the, but but there's there's a certain amount this of wealth in this town, and that wealth you cannot fight it. If you're government, you're not going to fight that wealth. I'm fortunate recipient of a lot of these people because I build their houses. But you cannot fight that, and the city thought that they could fight these guys. Yeah, big mistake. Hey, once again, big mistake. Respect the machine. Right. <laughs> it's uh, a different type of machine. Yeah, 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 where you're getting paid. Uh, so before we uh, before we uh, go into uh, closing, uh, historically, any machines you guys want to mention that were just uh, wildly influential, in particularly on uh, American uh, culture? Well, clearly, Tammany Hall would be the first one you would think. That's of. the first true machine. That's, that's, that's the most famous one of all. The which one? Tammany Hall in New York. We yeah. clearly got in Chicago. We're literally just I think the Fitzgerald's in Boston. The Atlantic City. Uh, <laughs> the Atlantic City. Um, With Nucky. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Well, what about the Roosevelt's? Nucky, actually, Nucky Johnson in real life. In real life, it was. Yeah. Yeah. The Roosevelt's were a machine, too. Yeah. 
Much well, you you actually. you go back Rock the Rockefellers, the yeah. Roosevelt. I mean, Rockefeller just uses money to to you know buy influence. He was never a machine. I wouldn't say neither was Carnegie, neither was J.P. Morgan. They just used they were used so they were rich, so rich. Is that kind of like the local Koch brothers? Well, well at the I, time they I were right across the street from the Koch brothers, so I know a lot about them. So I, I would definitely tell you that. Yes, of course they throw their money around. <laughs> but it's for the same reason. It's not necessarily to be a political machine. It's to go, hey, let me steal the rights to the Indians' oil in Oklahoma. Because they got it and I really want it. That's how they made most of their money. Yeah. So, who was those? The, the Koch brothers. brothers. Yeah, yeah. I grew up across the street from them. And that's, that's all they ever did. I mean, you know, that's just business to those guys. That's not politics. I think politics has a weirder element of power to it than necessarily just trying to be richer for herself. And that's why I would think a Pendergast kind of a machine is different than a Coke Brothers, for example. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Pendergast will power like nobody's business. I mean, it's ridiculous. There were lines around the block of people waiting for jobs, and he would have a letter of blue pen, and he would mark yes or no, <laughs> the colors represented to a guy, and he got walked out. Or you got a federal job. That was it. So, I mean, it's a pretty clear-cut... Clear-cut machine, right. And in that, if you look at the history of the machine, that took a long time to grow. It was a super <coughs> fascinating topic, probably for another day, because we always move the Pinterest room. But it was a very well-run, very well-run machine, all the way up until, and what was unique about it was... True. He was a political boss, and no, actually it was that he made a deal with the Italian mafia oh. that Johnny Lazio would be the police portion of this, and he would provide protection for the Italian mob yeah. all the way up until the Union Station. And the Union Station changed everything because if you go back into the history of the FBI, mm-hmm. before that you were buying your own guns, buying your own car, they couldn't do crap. All of a sudden the <laughs> Union Station massacre happens and there's this huge public outcry and now all of a sudden you see her, what was his face, uh, Jay Brewer, mm-hmm. all of a sudden consolidate all of his power and you have a modern FBI based on mm-hmm. Union Station massacre. And it changed all the rules. And then the other one who did was Rudy Giuliani in New York, who started enforcing these RICO statutes, which were ridiculous. Prior to the RICO statutes in the early 70s, you had to have committed the crime. It wasn't just that you acknowledge an organizer crime, but you had to have done the crime. All of a sudden, they started using the RICO statutes to bust That's all everybody right. social associates. And they said, well, you're the one organizing in Iran. You're the head of the Gambino family, so you're going to jail too. And the RICO statutes held, and that's how Giuliani became famous. So, man, yeah. it's kind of an interesting notion. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to be a running mob machine. these days. Yeah, <laughs> respect the machine. <laughs> Most of the mobs gone legal. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> that's a, that that's the uh, biggest, most dangerous machine in the country. Dead, right. Old dead. white money. <laughs> yeah. I work, I work for one of them. <laughs> All right. So, uh, last but not least, um, we've we've touched on so many things around the election. Um, any closing arguments for people out there in podcast land who may be wondering? Who in the fuck should I still vote for? I would beg you to not vote. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dave? Well, Dave is running. No, well, because I want you to vote for me. Vote for the big Dave. No way. Hey, and that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> like, I don't know. You Dave, know Dave wants you to vote for Dave. 
this is a, a, a very, very, very difficult election, a very difficult thing to decide. You know, I, I think with all the things we got on the state level in Missouri in particular, and uh, with the presidential election, I, I think if you get out of the voting booth in 20 minutes, you've done well. You know, we got a lot well, of I think you could if you've actually, like, read up and researched everything that's mm -hmm. on the ballot. Which we do, which we do. We, yeah. we may. But, but most people don't. A lot of people aren't even going to mark something because they don't know it. Or they're going to mark something just because bottom yeah. or bottom end. And, and it's just, you know, I don't know. I, I, I am still, at this moment, can I vote for either candidate? I just... Yeah, until tomorrow, I, I, would, I don't know that I got a decision on that. And this is really my point. I, I feel like if right now it's undecided, it's not with you, I am very undecided. You're electing a criminal or an idiot. Uh, I can't support either one of them. So I just, for the very first time in my life, I'm not going to vote for president of the United States. Mm -hmm. I'll vote for the local offices and all those other things, but I can't vote for either one of those dipshits. So you can't... You can't vote for an independent or, like, I mean, there's two other people not, on the ballot. Not, not the he's going to vote for Big Dave. Mm -hmm. That's who he's going to write in. He's going to write in Big Dave, aren't you? Come on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right, all right. No, I, I'm not even registered to vote because I still hold a commission in the United States Army. And yeah, you can't vote. Well, no, you can. It's just a, it's a very well-established tradition among yeah. officers that we don't. Uh, because as an officer, you execute policy, and if you vote, you're exercising influence over the creation of policy. And if you're executing policy, you have influence over the creation thereof. That is the definition of an autocracy, and that is against every principle of our of our founding. So I don't vote. Okay. Brain mass. I don't know. <laughs> Ride with me. You don't so vote. Chris is encouraging you no, not I, to vote. You don't know or you don't vote. Yeah. I, I vote. Yeah, I'll, I'll go vote. Um, I don't know that I'll vote. You don't know if you're, you don't know if you're sure about either candidate for president. It's just, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to support the whole thing when, they, when it's kind of falling apart. You know, I'd, you feel a little dirty either way. Yeah, yeah, you do. You know, and you feel bad for not voting, but at the same time, if I do vote, I feel a little dirty. I feel a little slimy. I feel like I've been more so just sitting back and just watching this. It's like a movie that is finally going to be over tomorrow. Oh, it's just starting tomorrow. <laughs> well, the problem, <laughs> we're going to be in, we're, we're we're be in chapter watch, two tomorrow. We've been watching the chapter I haven't even been able to watch the local news. Because of the political commercials that are so oh, it dri they drive you me. Just can't it's, even watch this it. has been the and I know you're going to disagree, but in my memory, <laughs> this has been the most negative campaign season, all the way from the president, all the way down to the local level. Just negative, negative, negative. You don't hear anything positive in yeah. any campaign ad. Anywhere. And it's hard for me because I'm a positive personality. I, I am <laughs> too. I mean, and too. I and don't like watching the news and, and getting it's, mad. It's, it's hard, it's hard for me, it's hard for me no, to, to maintain that. Yeah, I agree with you. It's I, a false I, choice. What is a false choice? Between these morals. Oh. <laughs> you know, not, not, voting, not voting feels bad too. I mean, yeah. just even. Yeah. Well, I honestly. You really have to vote your conscience, what you can live with. We, I've said that before. Yeah. You know, no matter if you do or you don't, 
it's what feels right to you. You mean and like you, if if it was suddenly exposed who voted for who, you'd feel okay about what Nick Saban for president. I I talked to <laughs> I actually have talked to there are um, I would be okay with it. I may not like it, but it's your choice and you have the I mean we have the right to vote for who we want to vote for. I, I, now I can tell you that there are people that wouldn't like my choice and that would be very vocal about it in a not very nice way. So it, it just, that's what I mean about it's very frustrating and upsetting when you can't have a real conversation with people. Everything has to be hidden because you don't want to know what, you know, somebody else is saying. I, I do have to give a shout out to my 86-year-old mother-in-law, Carmen Jeffarian who says she's going to vote for the Pope. Okay. Okay. That's, nice. <laughs> That's legit. You know what? That is legit. You know what? <laughs> On that note, um, I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to say everybody else around the table uh, gave their final arguments and I will give mine. Um, this is probably the first year that I'm going to say this and, and mean it. Uh, because normally what I would say is um, it doesn't matter who you vote for, you need to get out and exercise mm -hmm. your constitutional right to vote um, because many people fought um, and died for uh, us to have said rights. What I'm going to amend that to this year is um, really the same thing that we've kind of heard around the table and that is please vote your conscience uh, and if you're, and, and I will say, if your conscience will not allow you to vote for either candidate for president, vote for Big Dave. You know, uh, vote for Big Dave. Uh, Thank you. Hey, Thank you very look, much. You you can you can write you can write in the Law Party podcast. I'm not uh, a crook. <laughs> I will be uh, happy to uh, cyber serve as uh, <laughs> as president over uh, over. <laughs> from this distance, uh, but vote your conscience because at the end of the day, you know, when you leave that booth, um, you've, you've made a choice. And, 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 and that choice legitimately this time could be, I don't want to make a choice. And on that note, I want to end this with the toast that I started this all with, and that is, to good time, Good for you. Hey.